Hello and welcome to the Alcaha Podcast, the podcast that says, I live in your shadow, baby. I'm EJ. I'm Beth. And it's a very special episode because we're back again and we're feeling good. Yay. Nobody's sick. Knock on wood. Well, I can't reach any right now. So Beth, you ready to do this? I am. It's been a while, like a week. A whole week. Hey, I look forward to doing this. <laughs> Well, do you know what's coming up in another week? In another week. Hmm. From the date of our recording. Not an exact week, but within next week's time frame. February 13th. The day after that. That's more than a week. I said a little bit after that. Oh. Yeah, some sort of Roman festival with some free love and stuff. Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's it. And one of the most popular gifts given at Valentine's Day, other than flowers, is what? Chocolate. Exactly. I like a chocolate. And for a while there, there were stories going around, rumors flying, that the world's running out of chocolate. Do you have good news for me? Yes and no. Yeah, I kind of thought no. <laughs> um, when the story first appeared, it was more a concern of weather conditions with the El Nino weather systems that were moving through. And now it's become a different concern. One time, Saturday Night Live had a skit with Chris Farley, and he played El Nino. The Nino. Which was The Nino, he said. And Ric Flair beat him. And Ric Flair, as you know, is a famous professional wrestler and do you know who else is a famous professional wrestler triple h oh, i was gonna say the whole kogan but yeah really triple h there it is it's in here um the major concern for the chocolate <laughs> stupid stupid thing that i started industry now is actually a larger market of consumers it is what is depleting our chocolate supply the mocha frappe lattes um Increased demands are coming from newer emerging markets like China, India, Indonesia, Brazil, and Russia. Dang. That's, we need to up our chocolate game somehow. Well, Af Hydro hydroponics. Africa, between 2000 and 2012, started planting more cocoa trees, adding 1.3 million hectares. Hectares? Hectares. Hectares. That's a land measure. Which yeah. it's equal to about one hectare is equal to about 100 acres. Yeah. But unfortunately, this still isn't enough to meet the demand. Um, I've got to come up with a solution. Well, I, I need my cocoa. A report titled Destruction by Chocolate stated that the shortage of chocolate was has driven some producers to start farming illegally um, which can fragile, threaten ecosystems. You mean threaten fragile ecosystems. What'd I say? You said fragile, threaten ecosystems. Well, you knew what I meant. So no, I didn't. That's why I asked. Um, cocoa trees are actually being planted in protected areas such as rainforests to Let's, try to keep up with the demand. That's not good. Doug Hawkins, who was the author of the paper Destruction by Chocolate, said, unless cocoa yields increase... Or consumers eat fewer chocolate bars, more tropical forests will be planted for cocoa, and this is not sustainable. Hey, my chubby butt has cut down a lot on the chocolate. I figure I've saved about an acre. <laughs> well, 
the forecast is set for about a 30% growth in demand by 2020. And while growth should be a good thing in most industries, in this case for the chocolate industry, it's not. Yeah, for anything where you're confined to space and how much a plant can produce, that's trouble. A typical Western consumer eats an average of 286 chocolate bars worth of chocolate a year. Whoa, I'm way behind. But if you live in Belgium, you eat more. So I thought I was eating a lot of chocolate. I didn't save an acre. (laughs) Well, this is just a rough guess, and it's not necessarily 286 chocolate bars themselves, but with all the chocolate-flavored things you possibly eat, it averages out to about 286 chocolate bars per year per person. That's more than two-thirds of a year a chocolate bar every day. Mm. I don't even really like chocolate. What do you mm and... Depends on the kind. Are you fancy chocolate? <laughs> not not that bacon-infused stuff that we tried that one time. Oh, that stuff was horrible. That was no, no good. Bacon's wonderful. <laughs> Chocolate's not bad. But those two together, no. it was... Ugh. I think it was the bacon more than the chocolate. But, you know, it's old bacon. Yeah. Trapped. Poor bacon. To produce 286 bars, a producer needs to plant about 10 cocoa trees to make the cocoa and the butter, which are the key ingredients for the production of chocolate. Right. Um, A major problem for the chocolate farmers is the methods for growing it have not changed for hundreds of years. Well, I suppose... where cocoa grows, it's not exactly the most industrialized places. Right, which is unlike other tree crops that have benefited from the development of modern high-yielding cultivators and crop management techniques to realize the genetic potential. More than 90% of the global cocoa crop is produced by smallholders on subsistence farms with unimproved planting materials. Subsistence farms. Subsistence. I even asked you how to say that at the time. You know what that means, though? It's like they're, all their yield is to pay for their farm. That's a subsistence farm. They're not a commercial farm. And that's that's bad. I mean, that's tough. I couldn't imagine because the line on the earth where you can grow chocolate isn't very wide. I can't grow cocoa trees in, in our yard. I know. Isn't that sad? No. No, that's probably okay. <laughs> Fortunately, though, farmers in South America are trying to develop develop new methods of farming which might help solve the problem especially in latin america around the around ecuador farmers are trying to bring the chocolate production into the 21st century and are having Sweet. good results yay unfortunately though while latin america is trying to make up for a difference while you have the majority of cocoa being grown on small farms that can't afford to do what they're doing in ecuador right It's It's only... A drop in the ocean. Yes. So we're still possibly going to run out of chocolate. But I decided to do a fun little list. And I looked up on the HuffPost and I went with the best 25 candy bars of all time. I might disagree with some of this list. You know, I hadn't heard of one or two of these on this list, actually. Fair enough. But this is of all time. Well, and I'm sure it includes all kinds of chocolate, too. Not just... And one that's not chocolate. Dun, dun, dun. We're going to start at number 25, though. The Zero Bar. The Zero Bar. You know, when I was a little kid and 
and uh, my parents got their Sam's Club card, they would buy a store box of the Zero Bars. I don't know that I've ever had a Zero Bar. I've bought you a Zero Bar before. It must not have They're the w- silver wrapper, white chocolate on the outside. Oh, yeah. No, almonds I Almonds inside. Them. Number 24 is Mr. Good Bar. Mr. Good Bar. The only time that I actually eat those is... Halloween. When, well, when you buy the little bags of the Hershey's Miniatures. If there's a Mr. Good Bar on the shelf, I'm always like, Psh, whatever, Mr. Good Bar. Maybe that's why poor Mr. Good Bar's number 24 on the list. Could be. Number 23 is the Charleston Chew. Not a fan of those. They're too chewy for me. <laughs> you, you love gummy bears. What are you talking about? And dots. <laughs> Caramel stuff gets wrapped around my tongue ring, and they're, I have issues. They're more of a chocolatey thing, though. Hence, I guess, why they're on your list. I was really, really surprised, though, for number 22. I didn't expect it to be this low on the list. Ah, what would that be? The Hershey bar. Well, when you can add nougaty goodness and caramel or caramel, why would you just want plain, plain old chocolate? Still, it's a staple, a tradition, a Hershey's bar. True, and you make s'mores with those. Mm. Uh, traditional s'mores, of course. Yes. Number 21 is the Mars bar. One of my most favorite candy bars of all time. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Number 20 is the Fifth Avenue. It'll make you go crunch. 19 is Oh, Henry. I haven't had one of those in a really long time. Number 18 is Take 5. A Take 5? I haven't even seen a Take 5 in a long time. And I remember the commercials. Number 17 is the sneak in, no chocolate in it, Payday. Paydays are good. I like peanuts. We actually watched some vintage TV on YouTube and they had a Payday commercial on there. And our kids were blown away that back in our day that they had Paydays. Because <laughs> we're so old. Number 16 is the Baby Ruth, the one that looks most like a turd if you're trying to scare somebody. In a it's claim to fame as Caddyshack. <laughs> Number 15 is Mounds. Mounds? Eh, I like its brother better. Almond Joy's got nuts, Mounds don't. Almond Joy actually came in at number 12, but we're skipping a few there. <laughs> I made a nuts joke. Number 14 is the whatchamacallit. I haven't had one of those in a long time either. They have them in the cooler at work. I should have one. Number 13 also goes along with the Mr. Good bar. It's the crackle bar. The crackle. I also only, actually, I only ever see those in Hershey's miniatures. I haven't seen a full-size crackle bar, I don't think, ever. I don't think I have either. But they are a staple in the minis thing. Right. And I feel so bad for the minis bag because, you know, there's the ones that get eaten first and then you get to the end of the bag and and it's like, like, I guess if this is my only option. Okay. So number 12, we already said was the Almond Joy. Number 11, one of my favorites is the Kit Kat. Kit Kats are delicious. Do you remember the Big Cats? Yes. They still make those. No, not the ones with the caramel in them. They just make big Kit Kats now. But the Big Cats had a layer of caramel on top I of the wafer. I don't remember that then. I used to sneak off from work and buy them on my way home. And you, you'd already been at work when, when I was working nights and you were working days. And when I had to stay up with the BB, I would totally mow down on some chocolate on the way home for that little boost. <laughs> They'd always have them on sale. I couldn't help myself. They're delicious. Number 10 is the Heath Bar. 
See, I don't really like the toffee in my chocolate because the toffee is, sticks to my teeth. It's good, but it I, just... I like the Heath Bar as, like, a mix-in option for, like, my ice cream or... Oh, you went back to the O'Hen... Or I'm going to go back to the O'Henry. My grandmother makes some straight murderous O'Henry bars. I thought those were Aunt Di bars. No, the O'Henry bars are different. They're the ones with, like, the oatmeal and stuff. Those are good. Yeah, those are awesome. So what are Aunt Di bars, then? The other one's similar to that. Okay. We were on Heath. We just finished. Okay. Number nine is the hundred grand. Eh, it's an okay candy bar. I mean, it's not my favorite. I don't think it's top ten for me. Number eight is the Nestle Crunch Bar. See, and I almost name dropped this one when you mentioned the Crackle. Uh, Crunch is so much better than Crackle. But why? Because you see it in a big bar. (laughs) I guess that's pretty much the main reason. This one also surprised me. Snickers came in at number seven. Really? That low on the list? Uh-huh. A bar I did not even know existed came in before it, oh. but I have to find it. Um, number six was Butterfinger, which Butterfinger, growing up in my youth, well, after watching the old show and right, the cartoon with the was Simpsons commercials. Bart Simpson. Yeah. Nobody better lay a finger on that bad boy. But those also tend to stick to one's teeth. Oh, they really do. Number five was Twix. I like Twix, too. I like Twix bars. Number four was the one I hadn't heard of, and perhaps you have. It's called a Sky Bar. I remember those. It's actually four candy bars in one. They're, yeah. like, broken into... Yeah, I remember those, but I haven't bar, seen one in a long time. Each one is a yeah. separate flavor. They're like a square. Like, filling thing. Yeah. Man, I forgot those existed. We'll have to go to the candy store and see if we can dig one of those up. Yeah, I'm willing to try one of them bad boys. I haven't seen one of those in person since I was small. Number three is my all-time favorite candy bar, the Three Musketeers. Oh, that's your all-time favorite? I love Three Musketeers. Man, you could do better. (laughs) The light, fluffy... Nuggety goodness. Nuggety goodness. Number two was the Caramello. Also delicious. And the number one, any guesses? Um, not my number one, I can guarantee that. Let's see, what haven't we touched? The Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Nope, they didn't even make the list. Holy smokes! I'm trying to think. I, I'm lost then. The Milky Way. Okay, that is in my top ten, so that's good. I can't believe I forgot that. But they left out Hershey's with almonds, which would be in my top ten. And also, the caramello is the closest thing made by the Cadbury Company. Well, I did find an alternating list that I wasn't going to mention, but I figure we should because it listed some that weren't listed. And these are the top ten list of candy bars for the United States. Still totally subjective because Kinder. Yeah, I know. Oh my god, that is some of the best chocolate. And number 10 on here was the Hershey's Cookies and Cream Bar, which I really like. Also, probably not chocolate, except for the cookies. Yeah, it it got listed in there that it was kind of a stretch because technically it's not pure chocolate. Um, Number 9 was the 100 Grand. Number 8 was the Crunch Bar. Number 7 was the Three Musketeers. Hershey's came in at number six. Milky Way was number five on this list. Butterfinger was number four. Snickers was number three. K 
Kit Kat came in at number two, and Twix got the number one spot on this list. Yeah, that's. I think your lists are just incredibly subjective. <laughs> you know, and maybe it's by the numbers. I don't know, but it's hard to say. Well, the lists are really totally subjective because my list would be very different from your list. I guarantee it. Yeah, it really would be. And there were some things that weren't well, even mentioned the Reese's peanut butter cup who doesn't love a Reese's peanut butter exactly. cup? exactly but what about M&M's they're not a bar but they're incredibly popular chocolate yeah very popular chocolate. And, or Reese's pieces or things well I don't even know if those have much chocolate in them have you ever bit one and just looked at it there's kind of looks peanut buttery but there's kind of chocolate shell around it I don't think that shells chocolate I think that's the same thing M&M's are made out of that's not chocolate uh no it's just a candy coating yes that's why they melt in your mouth and not in your hand. That's a lie. Yeah, I know. If your hands are slightly warm and you sweat at all. Uh, our children have been proof holding handfuls of M&M's. But then you get into the other chocolates, too. Cherry cordials, a box of chocolates. Like, I imagine that Russell Stover's chocolates around this time of year, the sales spike. Whitman's. Or the, uh, the terrible... Ha- uh, Halloween candies that are off-brand, terrible Easter candies Wrapped that are off-brand. that just yeah, don't really taste like chocolate. Chocolate-flavored wax. Yeah. But then you've got some really cool chocolate, too. Like uh, booze-filled chocolate. Although That's you, awesome. You mentioned the Kinder chocolate, and, you know, I think... I don't know if it was you or if it was our Canadian friends that were telling me about the eggs. Yeah. Oh, no, that would be me. Yeah. Yeah, they're illegal in the United States yeah. because apparently our government needs to regulate our chocolate better. Because our American kids are so dumb, they'll just stuff the whole egg in their mouth and choke on the toy. Cadbury cream eggs, one of your favorites. Well, I mentioned Cadbury because Caramello is from Cadbury Company. I won't eat Cadbury cream eggs. Although, you know, that's another... That's fine. Don't eat any. Nobody should eat them. They should all come to me. That's another off-topic thing about how certain holiday candies that were specific for a holiday have branched out. Oh, yeah. Because Cadbury makes those gross green ones at Halloween time. They also make caramel-filled ones. And even Peeps. There's a Peep for every holiday now. When I was little, Peeps were a Easter thing. It, It only ties in because we saw chocolate Peeps. It does tie in, for and, that matter. You know, there's lots of things that are chocolate-flavored, though. You've got, obviously, chocolate milk. And I made the stupid joke about the uh, mocha frappe. Yeah. But you've got your chocolate ice cream. You've got... Chocolate-covered chocolate. espresso beans. Those are so good. I used, I used to... I like those. I used to buy just espresso beans and just eat them, the flavored ones. Not chocolate-covered. Yeah, I couldn't eat a straight one, but I like them with the chocolate. It got... There's chocolate-covered fruit <coughs> you can buy now, too, Excuse like me. blueberries. And... Well, you can get chocolate-covered potato chips, bananas. Anything can be dipped in chocolate. Everything's better. Chocolate fondue. This is why we're running out of chocolate. Yeah, but I do love brownies. <laughs> My favorite cookie is chocolate chip, so... I'm... Oatmeal chocolate chip for me. It's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, now that I've made you all hungry, what do you want to tell me about tonight? I want to tell you about Syzygy. Can you even guess what Syzygy is? It's an astronomical term. How's that sound? Nope. Imagine you're drawing a straight line. And you've got a line 
one thing up with another thing, and then there's another thing also in that straight line. That's syzygy. You might be more familiar with the term eclipse, though. Yes. Now, on August 21st, 2017, there will be a total solar eclipse near our area, which is pretty cool because we're right right north of the areas of uh, visible totality in our state. And it will run, actually, from the northwestern United States to the more southeast coast. And the states, in order of appearance in this eclipse, because it runs from west to east, not east to west like the sunrise to sunset, because we're going this way. I just did a hand gesture. <laughs> I and, got your hand gesture. Yeah, that didn't help the audience at all. But the states are Oregon, Idaho, a really small bit of Montana can see a partial, uh, Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas, the extreme northeast corner. Like, barely Kansas. a... Kansas? Yeah, barely a blip. A touch of Iowa, Missouri, southern Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, northeast Georgia, southwest North Carolina. Southwest North Carolina. Right? Yeah. I wrote that down and I was like, I'm going to leave that how it is. It makes just enough sense. Not a lot. And South Carolina is where it'll end in the contingent United States. The whole path of this particular total solar eclipse and i know there's another one coming up in like 19 days but that doesn't pertain to us we won't get to see it i don't even know where it's at to be honest with you but i know there's one another total solar eclipse. we don't care about you other solar eclipse and hey if one of our listeners sees it uh send me a big flip off in the email i don't care that's alcohol at gmail.com <laughs> but it the whole path starts in the Pacific Ocean south of Alaska and ends in the Atlantic Ocean, actually west of South Africa. So really the only land that's going to see it is the lower 48 states and only a few of them, the ones that I listed. It's a big thing, though. I've been it seeing is. news stories about it already and Facebook's been promoting it. Well, and... as a storm chaser, there are also eclipse chasers because some people really, really like eclipses, which is fine. But I remember when I was little, like little, little, it had to be like kindergarten, first grade, something that we made boxes at school because there was going to ah, be one and we watched well, it. Well, I'll talk about pinhole projectors now then. But before I do, I want to tell you that the this is the first total solar eclipse for the United States in 26 years. So you can count back and figure out what grade you're in while I describe the pinhole projector. So the pinhole projector is basically, it's a cardboard box, like Beth said, and you just take a pin and you put a hole in one side. It's completely enclosed except for your opening where you view the thing in. So the box has five sides, not six. And the sun will shine through the hole, and what you're getting to see on the back half of the cardboard is actually the moon going over the sun in shadow form. Which is pretty neat. Excuse me. I first learned about these actually from Peanuts comics. I was in first grade, by the way. You were in first grade. Now you know. <laughs> but Linus made a pinhole projector shortly after he got his glasses. Really? Yes. I don't think I've seen that one. For lots of great information about this celestial event, the one I'm talking about, and probably the other one too. Well, 
for the United States, anyhow. I guess not for the other one. And it, it's got state-by-state state maps and tells you which counties and towns. It shows a whole pathway of the eclipse across the continental United States, and then it breaks it down by state and tells you which counties and shows you which cities are in it. Go to www.eclipse2017.org. Super cool. I may have to check that out. Um, and just a COA, a partial eclipse will be visible in areas north or south of the line on the map that you see because totality is pretty small. And also, never look at the sun unless you have special lenses, no matter how much of it is covered. Good disclaimer. The uh, UV and infrared radiation can damage your eyes or even lead to blindness. <clears throat> I know that you've discussed that you want to take our children to this, so maybe we should start talking yeah. to them now about that. Well, they make special eclipse glasses, and you can actually from... You'll have to look. It might have been on that website that I mentioned, or it might have been one of the other ones I pulled information from, but you can get a free pair. Really? Of eclipse glasses. Yeah. They're, they're cardboard glasses. But they filter out all the UV and We're going to have to look into that. Well, I already did. Oh, good. I haven't ordered them yet. I just don't know how many to order. Because they come in lots of... You can get one pair. You can get five, ten, twenty. That's awesome. They're all over eBay. Now, here's some brand new vocabulary for you. Umbra, penumbra, and antumbra. So... For us, we have to go like 20 miles south, and it will be a total eclipse. So we'll be in umbra. Basically, that means the sun will be blacked out completely. For us, the moon will be blocking out the totality of the sun because with with our positioning, the moon looks like it's four times bigger than the sun in the sky. Even though that's not the case, from where we're at, the moon does look bigger than the sun. From Earth, I mean. Yes, we do live on Earth, listeners. Um <laughs> Well, I'm an immigrant. The people close to the path that aren't right directly under the moon shadow will experience a penumbra, which will be a partial covering of the sun. So, you see the difference from uh-huh. covering partial. And the last one, the antumbra, nobody will experience. That's when the object doesn't completely cover the light source. So, like, an example would be if the moon was smaller or if it was further away. It would be directly between you and the sun, but it wouldn't completely cover it. it you could see a spot in the middle, but the sun would still be If you be had there. your special glasses on. Yes. And a little cool fact, the approximate speed of the moon's shadow moving across the Earth is one kilometer per second. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's booking. That's really, really fast. Okay, since we discussed the solar, let's talk about the lunar eclipse quick. It works the exact same way, only the Earth is the middle part. you still got a straight line of three celestial bodies, but the Earth is in the middle. And the coolest thing about lunar eclipses, in my opinion, is that they can only occur when the moon is full. Well, that makes sense. Well, it does, doesn't it? But isn't that crazy? Because the moon phases depend on how much light from the sun is hitting the moon and then how often do lunar eclipses happen did you find that out um well yeah um i didn't write down the years or anything but um 
In this celestial cycle, the maximum number of eclipses per year in a few years is seven. Wow. Yeah, and that includes total solar and total lunar. And they don't always occur at the same place on the globe at the same time. And it's not every year you get seven. But there actually was a listing of years starting somewhere in the 1500s and going up to like 2100, I think, give or take, uh, where there was a handful of years where there would be seven total eclipses of the sun and moon, like five solar eclipses and two total. That's really cool. That's backwards. Five lunar and two solar. (laughs) Um, The reason that the lunar eclipse looks red is due to the sunlight refracting through the atmosphere of the earth. Um, And because of Rayleigh scattering, you can look that up yourselves. Do your homework. You too, Beth. I won't. I'll just ask you afterwards. (laughs) It scatters the blue end of the spectrum to light out, okay? Basically, it's a red sunset, but on the moon. And that's why sometimes it's referred to as a blood moon. Ah, the blood moon. Another super cool thing about lunar eclipses is that you can see them from anywhere on the night side of the planet at a time, or at the time of the eclipse. You don't have to be in that little straight line like the fickle solar ones. Well, I can tell you right now, just judging by our luck, with celestial viewings and everything. It'll be cloudy. It'll be cloudy. Because yeah. anytime there's a great meteor shower around, right. it's cloudy as can be and you can't see anything. Uh, also, the lunar eclipses, they'll last for a few hours, not like a solar eclipse that lasts for a few minutes. Because we're closer. Well, our shadow is much bigger than the moon's shadow. In relation to each other, the Earth is much, much larger than the moon. I think we're like four times the size of the moon. Go us. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Now, one more thing I want to talk about is just a couple of eclipse myths. And there are tons of myths about eclipses. But I thought since most of our podcasts are running a little bit long, I would just mention two. So the Pomo people of Northern California said a great bear was wandering the Milky Way when he met the sun. The sun refused to get out of his way. So naturally, the bear challenged the sun to a fight. The fight briefly eclipsed the sun until the bear moved on. So I'm not sure what would happen if the bear would have just hung out. Would he just extinguish the sun? That wasn't in any of the stuff that I read. Super glad the bear moved. But the bear, (laughs) he still wasn't done. He walked until he met the sun's sister, the moon. moon, and fought her too, causing a lunar eclipse. Must take longer to fight the moon. She must be tough. Or the bear was tired. I don't know. I've never fought a bear and I have no intention of ever doing so. (coughs) Because fighting bears is for the 30s. The ancient Chinese thought that the (laughs) solar eclipse was a dragon eating the sun. And to get rid of the dragon, they would bang pots and pans, shoot fireworks at it, and make as much ruckus as possible to scare the dragon away. Isn't that crazy? That is. Which, with our understanding now, but other peoples, they could predict eclipses and stuff like the Mayans. Their astronomical knowledge was well, huge. Well, their calendar. Yeah. But even even the Europeans in the Renaissance period or like the Greeks mentioned them in their poems too, but I don't think they were accurate at predicting them. And like the Egyptians, like Ra was the full sun and there was another god that was the eclipsed sun. 
just really cool stuff like that. So, um, another thing I was going to bring up in the discussion of eclipses, remember an eclipse is just uh, lining up a straight line of three celestial bodies. So, other planets and even binary star systems have them, which is really cool. So, you have a binary star system with two stars orbiting each other, and one star can eclipse the other from a planet's perspective. Isn't there something else where, like, a certain time of year or something, three stars line up in a straight line? Well, you're... That you can see from Earth? Yeah. We can see eclipses on all sorts of other other planets, too. Like, Jupiter's moons can be between Jupiter and the Sun directly in a straight line, and we can see the transient path of the moons of Jupiter well, we or on Mars, like Phobos and stuff. telescope. Uh-huh. It wasn't the kids that broke the telescope. But I just thought that was neat. And I don't know if, like, say, is it Ceres, the largest asteroid in our solar system? I Maybe still I'm like wrong. Haley's Comet. Well, I wonder. I'll bet I didn't do enough research. But I'll bet a comet could cause an eclipse, too, if it was in the right location. Remember, it's just a straight line between three things and the shadow. And even if it was not big enough to cover the whole light source, it would still be an antumbra. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm going to have to look into that a little more. And listeners, if you know more about astrology than me or astronomy, no. Now I don't know about either of them, apparently. Or even if you just want to share your favorite candy bar. Oh, Yeah. Favorite candy bars are always a good thing. We're always looking for new recommendations of candy bars to try. Yeah, get a hold of us in their email if you want to send us candy bars, too, or, or booze. Oh, we'd gladly try them and eat them while we're podcasting. Oh, and not to be a big political jerk here at the end of the podcast, but active on Twitter, relatively active, and one of the trending topics was Boycott Budweiser. Now, first of all, we are not going to boycott any breweries. Second of all, if you're going to have a hashtag telling people to boycott something, spell it correctly. They didn't even put the E after the I. It's like, what's wrong with you? Well, then I don't have to boycott Budweiser because it wasn't spelled properly. That's my political stance. I will not boycott alcohol. This is not prohibition. We have discussed that in detail on this podcast. I refuse to boycott any alcohol whatsoever. If you want to be like that and get mad, I'm sorry that you're mad, but I'm not boycotting any alcohol, no matter which company makes it. <laughs> and on that note, if you've got something to say about that, our email is, again, alcohol at gmail.com. We have a Twitter and a Facebook page. And we are on iTunes, Stitcher, a bunch of other podcatching services because that they we're keep, not even sure of. They keep picking us up, which is cool. I'm not sure you know that i have any problems with that which shout out we have listeners all over the world right now yes yes thank you for listening seriously get a hold of us get a hold of us on twitter on facebook google us leave us some stars on itunes leave us ratings and reviews on anything we'd love to hear from you we're always looking for topic ideas if you have that great question that's burning in your mind yeah let us know. We might be interested enough to research that for you. If you want to know why sheep's milk is pink when you get it in bottled form, we'd love to find out, too. <laughs> I'm not going to taste it. It smells bad. Yeah, boo. <laughs> All right, guys. 
for now. We will see you next time. I'm Beth. I'm EJ. Thank you for listening.